And we see several people selling their homes, their cars, their belongings and moving on to a life which is far more minimal than it is today. You know, a lot of this I feel has also been accentuated by the pandemic, the last year that's gone by. You know, a time that has helped us all sit back and reflect on just what is it that life is all about and what is it that we really need to be happy and fulfilled. Welcome to the great Indian brand wagon. the podcast on brands branding culture and media i'm your host rutu modi kamdar founder and managing director of jigsaw brand consultants this podcast is an hd smartcast original and is available on hdsmartcast.com india's fastest growing podcast producing platform and today i'm so excited to have on board nisha sampath Nisha has over 23 years of experience across qualitative research, brand consulting and strategic planning in advertising agencies such as JWT, Lowe and Nielsen. In 2010, Nisha broke out as an independent consultant and has had an illustrious career spanning across a number of interesting brands. Nisha also is a leading voice on uh, LinkedIn. You should check her out. She has a great powerful uh, conversation that she makes every single time. Thank you so much Nisha for joining me today and this is a topic that's really of great interest to me personally and I'd love to put out this new and alternative voice on luxury and consumerism which the world so badly needs. So Nisha in your personal experience having worked with so many brands and also with understanding consumer culture where exactly do you see the Indian millennial in this minimalism journey? So I'm really excited to be here, Rutu, and this is a subject which is also very interesting to me, and where I've also done a lot of research. Uh, so to answer your question, yes, you're completely right that uh, new age customers, millennials, and I would say even some older people are moving away from these glamorous and loud success symbols of the previous generations. And it always happens, right, that the younger generation creates a counter culture to the previous one, and that is the trend that you right. see accelerating today. 
So, you know, traditionally and for the older generation, wealth was always about flaunting these big and visible status symbols, right? Like Antela Mukesh Ambani's house, uh, big jewelry, big house and car, uh, how big your wedding reception was. Yeah. Which five-star hotel was it held in? And did film stars (laughs) attend? Yeah. So, uh, none of this is perhaps going away, right? It will continue to stick around. But what you see as an emerging trend which is growing with the young and with the affluent is that there is this weariness about this conspicuous consumption, right? Mm. So there is a counterculture that's being created to this glamorous excess. And uh, I think you nailed it when you said it's no brand minimalism, which is yes. represented by brands like Uniqlo and Muji, uh, by a design language and uh, aesthetic that's more muted, more discreet. Uh, mm. In the wedding space, it's about opting for weddings that are sustainable. Uh, weddings where you sponsor feeding the poor and hungry rather than guests. And uh, if, if you are part of the club, the part of the people who get this, right, mm. uh, then you don't need to see the label or the outward physicality of consumption to know that it came at a price or to know how much was spent. And uh, when the logos become conforming and it seems that everyone in the mass is gravitating towards it, then having no label is differentiating. And uh, that is really the counterculture that is in action. That is just so interesting, right? So there is only a certain amount of people who will actually get it. And I think that's really what makes it exclusive. Um, you know, and I think that is probably the new uh, the new luxury because it's not everybody who gets it. Just the same way, not everybody, you know, got uh, what LV was all about or what the Hermes bag was all about. And that really made it what it was. But today with this whole democratization of luxury, um, you know, those symbols are not kind of, uh, you, you know, touted as things that people want to own anymore. So what do you think about that? I mean, you know, where do you think this entire journey of of this consumer has really gone to in the sense where has this consumer come from you mentioned and i think that was a very interesting point where we said that our parents for example were the ones who actually uh, you know aspired to own these symbols of luxury these overt uh, symbols of luxury and then somewhere down the line the journey kind of uh, went into some other direction and today we for example are not necessarily looking for the same things that they looked for like for example the big gold jewelry or the big car uh, or for that matter you know big weddings for our children I think those things are really really changing today uh, so where do you think this whole journey has been if you could throw some light on 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 the journey on the consumer journey sure so uh, if we talk about consumer evolution, Ruto, right? So very broadly, I would say Indian society has evolved through three stages. And this is something we've seen across researches that we do. And I would characterize these three uh, stages as the era of scarcity, uh, the era of abundance, and the era of mindful abundance. Okay, so let's spend a minute with each. So the era of scarcity has a traditional narrative that goes back to the pre-liberalization era. And as the name suggests, there was literally scarcity. Absolutely. And that's the that's the baby boomer generation, mm. right? Absolutely. Absolutely. And uh, in fact, famine resides in our collective memory as a nation. Mm. So many famines, food riots at the time of independence. Uh, some of us were born and grew up in this era or it colored us as parents and what we passed on to the next generation. So queuing in ration shops for kerosene and sugar, no imported products, no Coke, no McDonald's. And... Uh, you know, this era was characterized by simplicity and Spartan living because that was mostly all that most of us could afford, right? And uh, then, then you move on to post-liberalization in the era of abundance. The economy 
opened up every luxury was affordable and uh, our genes were formed in a age of scarcity right we we came from that memory of scarcity and so we reacted with this unleashed appetite and mm-hmm. gluttony literally yeah. for everything for food for life for consumption yeah and you hear people complaining right like how do we, how indians behave in a buffet when there's free food or alcohol how they push and shove for it but there is really that cultural memory of deprivation so you needed to consume you needed to compensate so i remember it. going to pizza hut i remember going to pizza hut you know they had those free salad not free but you all you could eat salads mm-hmm. and how people would just kind of you know push as much as was possible into those salad plates or for that matter in a buffet uh, the way in which people just loaded up their plates and that was really the whole concept of being able to eat that much so super interesting yes yes please go ahead yes and and so we went from austerity and choicelessness to extravagance and this humongous choice right in a very short span of time literally i think within a decade right and uh, this need to consume was so strong because it signaled our progress to ourselves and others we were literally celebrating rising out of poverty and scarcity that's mm. why the symbols of consumption were so important and this was the time when luxury boomed right and it was all over the asian countries at different phases different points in time japan and china stand out in a very big way as huge luxury consuming markets apart from india right and uh, now with liberalization like maybe three decades behind us we are entering into the new age which i call the era of mindful abundance mm-hmm. and now there's a generation which has grown up or spent time in relative affluence and comfort and which they can begin to take for granted it's not going to go away and whether it's digital devices good clothes international labels so it would be quite fair to say that this narrative comes when we reach the most self actualized place right the struggle for survival is over now there's time to reflect and ask myself what do i stand for and mm. we've experienced abundance we've enjoyed it to the fullest but now we also know its downsides right and so there's growing exposure awareness and there's this backlash against mindless and self-destructive habits and consumption patterns and overall it's in the context of a backlash against destroying the environment climate change lot of things right and this is the new age narrative of mindful abundance where we still have the economic power and freedom to make choices but we make them with more awareness wow so this is so insightful nisha because uh, you're absolutely right that you know right now we're kind of straddling between this whole abundance this this uh, this uh, you know uh, uh, abundance that we've grown up with in 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 that sense because we've we've grown up in the in the scarcity and then after that we've grown up in the in the liberalization era and then we are now suddenly kind of faced with the rest of the world which has gone into this whole mindfulness zone and we as indians are also uh, in a way kind of getting there right so we are also hearing the things from the west we are hearing about sustainability we are, we are we are we are hearing about a lot of the minimalism movements that are happening around the world the no logo movements that are happening around the world and what i want to understand is that is this a particular segment of people that we are talking about you know so you know when you talk about self actualization and when you're talking about the consumer moving from the state of wanting to have too much to then saying that you know what i've kind of done with this and now i'm moving to a higher plane is this a particular kind of a consumer typology or is this you know a little more en masse it's an interesting question when you say whether it's a typology or en masse i would say to an extent uh, ruto i'm i'm thinking as i speak 
maybe yes. all of us still live a little bit in each of these three paradigms Correct. so it's exactly. not that someone only lives in uae yeah so you know uh, absolutely you right make, because uh, i mean even hmm. we if you for that matter if you look at you and me at that because while we are while we may be aware and while we may be wanting to make conscious choices uh are we still uh, abandoning uh, you know the need to go and shop or for that matter the need to you know have those overt uh, labels of consumption which we are so used to having i don't think we've completely kind of embraced that movement yet also right no no yes and we have our feet in both or we want to have our feet in both absolutely absolutely in fact since we are talking of cultural narratives right and not consumer mm-hmm. segments and we all live in this culture so actually all of us would experience or make choices across these three narratives perhaps younger people make it less in the traditional and more in the dominant and the new age and perhaps some segment of consumers are still more in the traditional and not in the new age but but you know we kind of straddle across the three most of us is what i feel but if the cultural narrative exists and it's out there right then brands can actually ride on that and do something and you know appropriate that in terms of their positioning and what statement they want to make and what kind of uh, mindset they want to attract that's the opportunity in it so that's exactly what i want to understand that if this is a very very exclusionary concept in itself uh, is mm. it something that will appeal to the larger mass of people who are probably still kind of wanting you know because we did a study on sustainability nisha and you know mm. interestingly uh, we were doing it amongst uh, women uh, and 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 this was with respect to fashion um, mm. and and surprisingly so while sustainability was something that people spoke about and kind of you know had some sense of uh, wanting to embrace uh, you know the whole sustainability movement uh, but it was not really something that became the hook for the consumer to actually choose a product you know so no matter how many brands are there uh, i don't think we have still gone to the extent of of choosing the product based on uh, you know platforms or concepts which are which are completely sustainability oriented so in that sense what i want mm. to understand is that is this a very exclusionary super affluent consumer oriented concept you know is this something that people who can mm. afford to consume are now deciding to walk away from this you know tiresome update uh, and upgrade lifestyle that they have so been used to all this while um and you know this is something that they are using as a way to kind of stand out from the democratized luxury that they see around them you know is this the step up of that consumer mm. or is this something that's becoming a movement in general because i think in the western world what you said about the whole mindfulness and all of that i completely agree that yes that movement has pretty much reached the masses and that that movement has reached the intellectuals and you know the intelligent lots of almost all those societies are the ones who actually are embracing that culture but i want to know that in india is this still a very exclusionary concept is this something that only the super affluent consumers are using as as a way to tout their uh, power you know so what i'm trying to say is that is this just one more fad that the mm. super luxury consumer is using to show his superiority amongst the rest of us so i am glad that you asked this okay and look like it's important to make the point that even the consumption of high end cars and designer handbags is not going away any day soon right but it's mainstream and it's moving towards what in culture we call a residual trend so some things are becoming dated expressions Mm. versus emergent and new age expressions like minimalism and sustainability 
but if i want to understand whether this sustainability is a trend or a fad right whether it's going to last long uh, one of the ways you ascertain this is to see whether some trends are cyclical because there are timeless trends that never really go away they just come back with new expressions it's like old wine in new bottles right so right. it's very interesting but but in india the concept of austerity of detachment from material things is deeply rooted in our culture and our spiritual tradition uh, you hear about this even today in business communities right that there's someone who's an industrialist but they live a very simple life eat simple food and so on we always valued this in our culture mm-hmm. and minimalism Well, yeah, it's gone to the West. It's gone to Japan. It's gone to Marie Kondo, and it's come back to us from the West. And it may have a new tag. It may have an expensive tag, but it still finds a familiarity and resonance with us culturally, right? So somewhere, this is something that then could stay because we can relate to it in our culture. Mm. And um, one more thing that I wanted to speak about, right? When you said that, uh, you know, we all have the need to make a statement. So. today perhaps the new currency of affluence and luxury is not money but it's knowledge right it's yeah. discernment uh it's it's about having the passion or um, investing the time to understand something so so i'll give you an example uh, i belong to a group of coffee lovers okay uh, we discuss different types of beans and what is good and what is bad but the currency that influencers in the group have right the guys who guide the rest of us is not because they've traveled abroad they've sampled international or premium coffees they know they've tasted jamaican uh, blue mountain versus the rest of us it's just that they're passionate they keep brewing coffee they keep shooting videos they know about the sites that no one else knows what are the mm. best beans to order they really know their stuff and so the beauty of the google era right is that you don't have to be super rich you don't need to right. you just need to invest in understanding and sharing that knowledge so it's about passion it's about expertise it's about experimentation And I think this defines the new age luxury consumer. So there are luxury cults, right? So in that sense, it is exclusionary, but it's formed around things that you're passionate about. It's formed on the basis of knowledge, cosmetics, trekking, biking, so many things. So you don't need to own a lot of things to be part of this, right? You don't need to have a right. lot of money. You invest your time and you uh, know about it deeply. You cultivate discernment. and that's really getting more out of less <laughs> so that's such a beautiful uh, thought uh, nisha because uh, if that really is the way the country is moving and culturally it's becoming a far more inclusive society right because then in that case it's not about ownership it's not about uh, income it's not about money or it's not about overt symbols of luxury that uh, that you know we've been so used to but it's about knowledge it's about discernment it's about um, you know being able to kind of uh, uh, have uh, you know certain passions and certain experiences and i think that's such a beautiful way to put it does this mean that the ways in which marketers define consumers is somewhere going to change i mean are our segmentation variables going to change or do you think they need to change so these are very nuanced things to change the segmentation right but uh, i think you can work with insights in this space i think you can work with codes in this space when it comes to positioning and uh, we are talking about knowledge of currency right so it's very interesting you're talking about timeless things that haven't changed and in india vidya or knowledge has also been in the past a basis of exclusivity and privilege yes. right yes and only today there's this new age luxury class based on knowledge but everyone can access it it's not determined by your birth or privilege right it anyone can become a passionate connoisseur of wine or cheese or cars or bikes so to answer your question 
I think luxury marketers should maybe uh, relook their audiences if they define only by you know a certain affluence or life stage or having owned or done certain things. You can actually look at bringing in this new type of consumer based on this knowledge. currency and that's a superb insight that uh, the knowledge currency becomes the way in which you actually end up defining the the luxury consumer are there any brands that you see in the indian context that you could talk a little bit about nisha something the brands that are using some of these alternative luxury codes you know sure sure so uh, actually the first one i will speak about is an international one and that was what actually gave me the idea that this code exists right uh it's called the abnormal beauty company and uh, they have products which have names like this the ordinary salicylic acid which is uh, salicylic acid 2% or aha plus bha peeling solution okay if you don't know your stuff about beauty ingredients and how it works and you come to this website you will be blank okay. yeah so this is based on knowledge as well as no brand minimalism correct it's reverse branding in a so, in a in a way right uh, it's almost uh, defying the kind of uh, it's yes. defying the prince it's defying the principles of branding in that sense and kind of uh, you know putting out the functionality of the product so overtly upfront um, that that itself makes it the brand as a yes. branding person how do you decode something of this kind of what do you make of this whole new way of looking at the brand uh, uh, identity so to say or you know how would you say that uh, brands like these uh, you know are redefining this whole concept of branding in that sense see somewhere you know and this was something uh, that occurred to me also when i looked at this right which is that uh, instead of the physicality right which is now become more and more minimal the philosophy behind the brand becomes the new code of luxury right mm. and uh, so there is a shift from brand as label right to brand as values and uh, this is where actually whatever we spoke about earlier the sustainability responsible living all of it comes from and so it's very important in this era for luxury or premium price brands to reimagine their purpose their reason for existence their relevance in consumers right. lives so i exist for the gratification of the wealthy few is not very convincing uh, you have to ask am i helping save the planet like patagonia or am i like nike taking a stand saying believe in something and brands really have to understand that having this kind of purpose will precede the profit in in other words you right. can leverage growth if you have a strong purpose it's not just to differentiate you hmm so on the topic of purpose uh, do you think that the purpose then becomes the pivotal piece of the brand strategy and it's the purpose which is trying to then attract the right kind of people uh the people who then kind of connect themselves with the brand uh and then use it as a way to uh connect their knowledge with that of the brand is that really the new way of defining this brand uh and is that where brand strategy is kind of moving absolutely and it's extremely important for premium and luxury brands to define this purpose because a lot of the conventional luxury brands especially those from the west have a pretty shady past right right absolutely there has been racism there has been exploitation there has been hiding of things around manufacturing around you know anonymity of the artisans who created these things so there there is a lot of stuff baggage that those brands will struggle to get over but a new age brand that's starting out fresh has an opportunity to actually reimagine itself through the purpose and take a very different path of luxury and and i mm. think it's an opportunity that a lot of brands should look at 
very interesting do you think that indian brands have also started adopting these uh, uh these philosophies do you think indian brands also share these kind of values um are they also helping evolve this indian consumer yes yes absolutely so uh i was checking out something recently uh there's a lot that's happening in the online space with indian ethnic fashion right uh especially a lot happening around sarees which i've been right. seeing right and uh, there's this whole ethic in luxury around sustainability preservation of our tradition of tradition. weaving and you know from different places like kanjivaram or kota and also this whole uh, new code of creator recognition and one of the big backlashes that traditional luxury brands have faced is that the creators were anonymous exploited underpaid but today the creator is in the forefront so we have a brand like ethicus that carries a tag on each product with the name of the weaver and their picture right how long it took them to finish the product So yes I see the brands also tapping into this and I hope I see many more also following that trend. And these according to you would fit into the luxury category so to say because of the fact that there is a certain kind of a mindset that this consumer that this brand is trying to uh, attach to at the consumer end and in that sense it does fall under the definition of it being luxury. It's it's a new way it's a new age luxury so to say. Absolutely and uh, you know Today, I'm glad you raised this point, okay? Because I think when I talk about luxury, I live today. You can talk about a lot of brands and categories that are not conventional luxury, mm. and this is what uh, you can call alternative luxury. And you can right. access it at many different price points and in many more categories than it was earlier. So you know, one of the fallouts of democratization of luxury is that it's not defined by certain fashion houses or you know uh, manufacturers that these are the categories that are luxury it, it's not uh, bespoke dresses only it is not handbags only but it could be so many different things so i'm the very proud owner of a, what i think is a luxurious yoga mat made by a brand called tigo and uh, it costs way more than your traditional yoga mat but it's got the proper markings if you want to do asanas and it's super comfortable and it's made of a light material that's bacteria and dust resistant it just feels so good so you can feel luxurious doing yoga as well <laughs> okay wow so a yoga mat also can fit into this category so going back to this whole brand branding piece because i think this is a this is a very good uh, insight for marketers out there uh, and when we talk about luxury so to say uh, you know we've always traditionally spoken about the ruler archetype right uh, the fact that it's always been about commanding a certain kind of a position it's about getting respect and it's about being higher up uh, it's about being the aristocrat um, and it's about the hierarchy it's about the haves and the have nots and that's the archetype that's really been there when it comes to luxury so today if we were to move that archetype from the conversation that you and I are having right now what kind of an archetype is really emerging then so you know it's really interesting i i do think that the ruler archetype is getting residual right it's it's around but it's it probably it won't be relevant or appeal to young people today as much as it did to a previous generation and uh, today if you were to ask me i think that luxury is somewhere about you know very pure simple unapologetic uh, sensual enjoyment and this has always been part of luxury right uh but if you were to look for an archetype probably it's the hedonist or the lover that fits really well for some of the luxury brands today and it's about the freedom to be me it's about what we've been talking about it's my knowledge my passion my enjoyment of form color shape 
my journey of exploration mm. and it's just so it's about, about the self it's about the self expression and it's yes. about it's about giving the self the ability to express itself freely without having to fit into a certain rigidity that probably was uh, very very prevalent in the past absolutely ritu yes and uh, i think this has always been there right you can have a very innocent pure enjoyment of luxury of something that's finely crafted something that tastes good and that can be the very simple basis of enjoying a luxury experience for brand and it need not be weighty it need not be this baggage on your shoulders or oh you know now i've come up in life i have to use these bags it could just be what you enjoy and i think that's what it's going to you're literally uh, you know saying that today luxury has been unchained and you're free to enjoy it oh my god that's such a beautiful uh, line luxury has been unchained and you're free to enjoy it and i think that makes way for a far more equal society uh, and i think from a marketer's point of view i think that's a beautiful thought because uh, at the end of the day uh, i think it's about the marketer having that purpose embedded into the brand uh, which which also somewhere then impacts society and you know creates a more happier and a more equal and a more uh, equitable world so to say so i think this is such a such a fantastic movement that we're seeing i think we're very lucky to be witnessing it all in our generation so we've pretty much seen the scarcity and then we've seen the abundance and then we're seeing this whole mindfulness uh, piece and i think that is where this this entire thing is becoming so much more interesting also you know this whole movement around uh, wanting to be uh, purposeful towards the world and uh, you know make sure that you're using things that actually have uh, a more ethical uh, standpoint and the ones which are making a better impact on 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 the planet i just hope that this isn't a skin deep proposition when it comes from a consumer's point of view i know the brand's point of view and i know that the brands are ultimately outwardly get you know to make the profits but then even while making the profits i do understand that the purpose really does become the the way to uh, you know get the right people on board but i'm more afraid about the consumers the discerning consumer using this as a skin deep uh, hook so to say in the sense it becomes mm-hmm. a skin deep hook which allows him to uh, you know push himself up from the rest of the crowd which has now started using all the democratized luxury products that he was originally using you get what i'm saying i mean i'm just hoping that we're not a society which is again yeah. embracing just another one of those faddish movements i just hope that it's just not one more fad movement which may not go but it isn't true to its promise so you know to an extent ruto what you are saying you the the need to make a statement and be different he said is timeless right so people will use these things to do that but uh, on the other hand from a brand's perspective i think this is very important that if you don't want to make sustainability one other label right and that means that at some point of time that will become conformist and then you'll move on to the next thing whatever that is mm. right mm. uh and therefore i think it's important to not just make it about this larger statement what's in it for the planet for others but should be very tightly woven with saying what's in it for me and and that is a good mm. piece of classical marketing thinking that has not gone away and if you are still able to connect it to something deep within people okay uh let's take an example uh for example uh, let's take an organic sanitary napkin right there are a lot of those brands out there right uh, if if you are able to not just make it about environment but also about the fact that this is a fantastic product that gives you a way more comfortable experience than uh, a regular one does uh, mm. then i think you have that hook for your consumer 
they have to have a reason to consume something that benefits them and Correct. not just to be part of it because oh everyone's part of it or it's good for the planet mm. so i think this is very important for brands in any space of purpose and especially here what's in it for me what's in it for others and the planet these two really have to they need to be coinciding yes yes yeah, yeah absolutely thanks so much nisha thank you so much really appreciate your time thank you it was a pleasure thank you <laughs> bye see you okay. bye 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 What an interesting conversation this has been. Luxury has been unchained and you're free to enjoy it. It's absolutely delightful to hear that luxury has become something that is freely accessible and is out there for people with discernment to take up and embrace. It is unapologetic and not weighty. It doesn't feel stifling either. Luxury today is more about the self than it is about the outside world. and to see all of this happening in our generation you know one that has seen an equal and fair share of scarcity and constraint is a great great evolution that i'm so happy to be a part of if you like what we've discussed and you'd want to talk more you can reach me on ruthu@jigsawbrands.com i'll be back with a fresh new episode next week on more of such interesting cultural and social conversations that are shaping the world of branding and marketing today For feedback please reach out to us on at HD Smartcast on FB Twitter and Instagram and to listen to more such podcasts log on to www.hdsmartcast.com or suno nay nazariye se This was an HD Smartcast original HD Smartcast